next to you and give them just a big hug. I was going to say scream in their face if you want to do that. Give them a snap out of their comfort zone. Wake up. I know it's winter. I know everyone's tired, but come on. Man. Um, I just wanted to start um, this morning just by taking a moment to acknowledge and honour a few of the legends around our church because there are a lot of people that go like above and beyond and put themselves out there a lot to make our church should have come together, right? And, and number one equal, I guess, um, from this morning for me is uh, River and Anna, who, you know, they're like tirelessly doing a lot of work, pulling together a team of people to lead us in worship every week and, and, and keeping that going and developing people. And like, they're really awesome. They've all disappeared. But um, if you get an opportunity to, before you leave today, I really encourage you to just go and like give them a high, give them a high five, just tell them how much you appreciate them because they're really good. Um, and I guess the other people that um, amongst the, the team, there's too many people to, to name, but the other people I really want to acknowledge this morning is Pastor Craig and Pastor Trim because really we should be incredibly grateful for what they do um, for us and it's really quite ironic because they're not here this morning but that's because like, Craig's literally out forging a, a path ahead you know, and, and building relationship with churches and people in other countries and, and doing stuff probably in the spiritual that sets us up to be able to succeed as a church and I know that him and Trin work together just as an amazing team and, and again if you get the opportunity I really encourage you to to reach out to them and tell them how much you appreciate them and, and, and thank them because they do a lot of work to make things happen and they do a lot of work that we don't see and, and I guess we, we can appreciate them more and I really encourage us to do that okay Good. Everyone's still sitting there real bored looking, man. Like, this is not going to be a good day, eh? Like, you know, snap out of it. Snap out of it. Um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, preach a message this morning. It's called, um, make sure I get it right, Comfortably Uncomfortable. Everyone say, Comfortably Uncomfortable. Say it fast. You can say it five times if you want. Get it out there. See if you can get tied up in getting it out. But it's, it's based off a book that we've been speaking about in an element on Friday nights. It's a book called Friend of Sinners by an American guy called Rich Wilkinson Jr. And, and it's really, really good. It's a good book. If you're into reading books or if you're not into reading books, I encourage you to go on Amazon or Google or whatever and buy it and read it. Um, because it may, be, it may seem like it's something you've already heard before, but it's always important to refresh on it. And it, it's a book almost exclusively reminding us, the church, that Jesus came not just for you and for me, the people who go to church on a Sunday, but he came for every single person on the planet, especially, especially the people who we would look at and go, ooh, they've got a lot of stuff going on. But Jesus came especially for them. And, and there's something that we need to make sure that we have in our hearts is that Jesus came for us because we're not perfect. Like, I know that I am... A sinner. I don't anyone anyone relate here this morning. You're like, oh, everyone's a bit shy. Yeah, like, oh no, I'm perfect. Got this, Dave. You can get off the stage now. No, we all we all come under the umbrella of sinners, right? Jesus came to be our friend, and this book is all about how Jesus came to be our friend, but also the friend of every person around us. And and the call in the book is to do more than just come to church. And, and the call in the book is to do more than just have a relationship with God. It's actually to go and serve Him and His purposes and showing him to other people and I'm going to get into that in a little bit I think it's going to be really good I really like the book um, I have to be honest straight away that preparing this message this week has um, probably spoken to me 
You know, you know those things where you're like, you're looking at it, and this is for someone else. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring. I don't know if everyone can write. I'm gonna bring this message to this group, and man, they, they're really gonna appreciate it. But as you're working through it, it starts speaking to you, and you're like, oh God, I've got work to do. Ooh, okay. And so we're in it together, guys. Don't don't worry. It's not just me telling you what you need to do. This is God telling me what I need to do as well. So so we're in it together. Um, we're going for the journey. It's gonna be a good time. The very first thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna pray. Is that all right? Yeah, that's cool. So let, let's, let's pray. Um, I really encourage you to lift your heart up. It's not me praying the words, but I encourage you right now to en- engage with God yourself. Come along the journey. Be a part of what's going on in this place. Let's go. God, I thank you that you are so amazing and so wonderful. And it's not exaggerating to say that, God. You are the, the King of everything, the Lord of Lords, and, and we love you. And we thank you that you're here this morning. And God, I pray now that as I speak these words, God, that you would inspire, I guess, me and my mouth to bring out what you want to say into this room. God, that every heart that's here, me included in this, God, would be open and malleable, ready for you to touch us, to change us, to shape us. God, to inspire us onto more for you. God, that we would leave this place, God, not condemned, but God, encouraged and and challenged to step out for you in new ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this message this morning is called Comfortably Uncomfortable. And, and, and I want to start off by talking about passionate people. Does anyone know anyone that's very passionate about things in their life? You can put your, yeah, there's a few people out there, right? There's a few people out there. Me, I'm passionate, passionate not just about church and youth, but also about my work. Right, and, and I work in the, in the construction industry, and I spend a lot of time looking at stones. And I guess it's a mark of passionate people is that passionate people talk a lot about what they're passionate about. There's a lot of P's there, eh? Um, passionate people talk a lot about what they're passionate about. And you can ask Gina that probably at the most inopportune moments in our marriage, I will talk about rocks. In particular, when I'm asleep. And there will be just like things coming out of my mouth about some rocks and some job or something like that because it, it, it's something that I spend a lot of time thinking about. It's something I spend a lot of time learning about. It's something I spend a lot of time involved with. And, and, and I guess it comes out because I'm passionate about it. And, and I guess that's a mark of passionate people, right? When you're passionate about something, you can probably relate for yourself. If you're passionate about something, about music, about, um, I know, your work, about um, a hobby, about someone in particular, you know, like talk to any guy that's just got into a new relationship with a girl, he'll be talking nonstop about the girl, how amazing she is, just incredible. A mark of someone that's passionate is they'll be talking a lot about what they're passionate about. We were um, had the privilege of being in... Spain during the World Cup. And we went um, one evening to a rooftop bar. I know it's bad to say we went to a bar, but we went to a bar. And it was a rooftop bar and it had a 360 degree view over Barcelona. And it was quite cool, right? And there's lots of people up there for the view. But it was also on at the same time as the Belgian football team was playing, I can't remember who they were playing, Japan. And it was like a one of those clincher matches where it's all or nothing, someone's going to be out of the tournament if they don't win. Very, very tense. And there's probably, I don't know, 100 people on this rooftop bar enjoying the view, maybe having a, a glass of sangria or some nibbles or whatever. And um, there's this one woman, one woman watching the football match up on the screen. And she was Belgian. And she was watching her, her team doing their very best and you could tell very quickly that there's a difference between a New Zealand football supporter and a Belgian football supporter in terms of their passion. 
because you know if you're supporting the all whites you'll sit respectably quietly fingers crossed that they might score a goal <laughs> not for her not for her she was barely keeping still she was jumping out of her uh, his seat at every moment she possibly could as soon as her team actually got the ball it wasn't like they were almost scoring goals as soon as her team got the ball she was screaming and clapping and shouting and making this massive scene and it was like something else and it was like a lesson i guess for me because you see like um, new zealand supporters like quite moderate unless it's all blacks and even then it's quite still moderate but in Europe, football fans, man, they, they underline what passion is, right? They absolutely underscore how to support something, how to be passionate, everything that's coming out of their mouth like a million miles an hour, this is my team, they're going to be doing good, they're screaming, they're shouting, they're dancing, it's, it's out of control. And, and I guess I want to start off by talking to you this morning saying that we probably need to be a little bit more passionate about God, right? Anyone relate? Like this, this is where it got me, like very start of preparing the message this week, Dave need to be more passionate about God, like, oh. Okay, we probably need to be a bit, little bit more passionate about God, but I want to pause there. I want to talk about Isaiah. So Isaiah is a prophet in the Bible, um, Old Testament. He came, he, he spoke a whole lot of stuff over Israel. And, and it's a very interesting thing because he actually came and he called the people of Israel into a quite passionate thing, right? So he sort of had a bit of a tough job, really, because uh, if you look in the early bits of Isaiah, he came and he sort of, sort of foretold, prophesied about how um, they were going to be taken into captivity by Babylon. Um, not a good time, right? It's not something to be very passionate about. But later on in Isaiah, he prophesied something quite incredible, and he prophesied the coming of the Messiah, of the Savior, who will take Israel out of captivity and, he'll, um, and bring them comfort, right? And it's quite interesting because in, in Isaiah in chapter 40, sorry, yeah, Isaiah chapter 40, he, he, he goes to the Israelites and he says this, he says, here's this really good news. Here's this fantastic news. I want you now to go to the rooftops, to the high places and shout and proclaim what's going to happen. And he called them to be passionate people about a saviour that hadn't even come yet. Now, I find that quite ironic because I look at um, us as Christians in 2018, 2018, and we've actually had a Savior who's come and he's made a way for us to have eternal life, salvation, forgiveness, all that sort of stuff, and we find it very hard. Like, I don't know if about you, but I would be very reluctant to climb up onto a tall building and start shouting about Jesus, yeah? Anyone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's wanting to re relate because they're like, yeah, that's right, man. This is the amazing thing, right? In the Bible, Isaiah calls the Israelites out of their comfort zone. Like they're, they're actually living in a really tough time. But he's saying there's a, there's a Messiah coming. There, there's a Savior coming who's going to turn your life on its head. I want you to go up and shout about it and start to proclaim it because everyone needs to hear it. And the same thing comes for us today, right? We're Christians. We know actually that Jesus has already come and died on the cross for us. He's already done everything he possibly can to save us. And we actually have the same call on our lives this is the painful bit, to actually get up and proclaim and declare how good Jesus is and how much he's here for every single person to be a friend of sinners, not just us, right? Now, I understand that that's not always the easiest thing, right? And so this morning, what I wanted to do is I wanted to go through just a few things, a few, few like, I guess, main things that maybe we can identify that we might need to overcome in our own lives in order to be able to declare a little bit more freely who Jesus is and what he's done, right? Because 
I'm convinced, and I hope you are too, that actually if we hold on to this story of good news, if we hold on to this, this thing of hope and don't share it with everyone else, we're actually being quite selfish. Cop that for a Sunday morning. Hey. But we have a responsibility. Actually, God tells us. He doesn't ask nicely. He's like, please, I just really want you to go and, and just, if you would, if you could possibly just step out of yourself for a day or two, could you please go and tell people about me? No, no, it's a command. It's like, you've got it, now go. Go and tell people about me. Go and tell the good news. Go and share it. Go preach it. Go prophesy. Go do all that stuff. Anyway, that's getting really intense, eh? There's four things I want to talk about this morning. The first one is this, is that in order for us to be able to, um, I guess, get out of ourselves and talk about God, we have to overcome the comfort in our lives. We have to overcome comfortable. Okay, and so if you're taking notes, and I really encourage you to take notes, there's only going to be like really four things you need to write down in terms of notes today. You can write Bible verses and that, but four things. First one is this, overcome comfortable. Now, there's a big difference between being comforted and being comfortable. All right, everyone say comforted and say com- comfortable, comfortable. There's a massive difference. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an illustration because I feel like that always makes it a little bit easier to understand these sorts of things, right? Now, uh, earlier this year, I was struck down with a life-threatening disease, right? Um, I woke up one morning and I had a sore throat and I had a headache. My nose was runny and like, I felt like my body just wasn't going to work anymore and like, I was on death's door, right? I was so sick. I was just like lying. And I think I even got a bit of sympathy from Gina because it's like lying there, not moving. I was, oh, I was on the way out, guys. It was terrible. And, and fortunately, I am blessed by an incredibly great wife, and she cared for me as I, as I was on the way out. And she made me chicken noodle soup, which is the elixir of life, right? That is the only medicine you ever need, chicken noodle soup. She made me chicken noodle soup. She got me some fluids, maybe some, I don't know, like cough lollies or something like that. And she nursed me back to health. I, I Googled what I had later on and it, it turned out there was something called man flu I hadn't heard of before. But man, I was like, I was on the way out and, and I was incredibly blessed to be comforted by my wife in that moment, right? Because the day before I'd been fine, the next day I was like, honestly, I can't, I can't even exaggerate. It's just so bad. I was... I was almost going to call the ambulance because I need to go to hospital. I was so blessed to be comforted by my wife in that moment. And here's the thing, right? Here's the difference between comforted and comfortable. If on the Monday that I woke up quite sick, I'd enjoyed being comforted a bit. And on the Tuesday, I was like, that was quite a good time. I might be sick again today. See if I can get some more chicken noodle soup. Um, I would be switching from being comforted to being comfort, comfortable. I've got to say that word right. Comfortable. The difference being that in my moment of need, I was comforted. My wife looked after me. It was an amazing thing. And it's a great advert for a good marriage, guys. Chris and Evie over here, they're getting married later in there. They, they know it. You should get married. It's a good time. Um, I was comforted. But when I make that switch to actually just sitting back on my lazy butt, wanting to be weighted on hands and feet, I've switched into something called being comfortable, right? And this is the thing, and this is the, this is the one I don't mean to be mean to you this morning, but this is where we fall into a trap as Christians. We get comforted when we need Jesus in our life. We're so bad, our lives are ruined. We're like, what are we gonna do? Then the Savior comes in, shines a light, says, actually, I've got a way forward. I can, I can redeem you. I can forgive you. I can do all this stuff. I'm gonna turn your life around. And we get comforted 
But then if we stay in that place of actually the Savior's got us and, and we don't need to do anything else, we become into this place of being comfortable. And we sit there, yeah, Jesus, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. And it's true, we, we need Jesus all the time in our life. But if that's where we stop, then we're actually becoming comfortable and actually probably being in the situation where Gina would be with me and come over and take, get your lazy butt out of bed and give me a kick, right? Um, and, and, and I guess that if we do that, then we miss the whole point of salvation, right? It's quite clear in the Bible that Jesus says, go out and tell people about me. Don't come to church and tell the people that already know about me about me because, you know, they already know, right? Actually, when Jesus came and saved us, he said, go out and seek and save the lost. And in Matthew 16, 20, um, no, I'm not going to read that one, there's a weird one. Um, Matthew 10, 6 and 7, go to the lost, confuse people right here in the neighborhood, tell them that the kingdom is here. He says quite clearly, go out, don't sit in here with the Christians, go out and tell the people that need to know about me what they need to hear. In 2 Corinthians, it also says this, he says, um, the, the, the Messiah comes alongside us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, this is the one, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. I'm going to read that again because that actually really captures this whole thing of overcoming comfort in our lives. Jesus comes alongside us when we go through hard times, comforted. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. And this is the thing. We need to make sure that in our lives that we overcome the comfort in order to be able to serve God and do what he's actually called us to do. God comforts us so we can comfort others. Not just for us, but he comforts us so we can comfort others that we may need, and, and, and in order to do that, we may need to get a little bit uncomfortable. Okay, so we need to overcome comfort in our lives. The next thing we need to overcome in our life is fear. Fear. Sometimes we don't or won't, it's a choice, get uncomfortable for God because of fear. Because stepping away from our comfort space into something unknown is a little bit scary, right? Anyone relate to that? Like, you know, I, I get a little bit afraid at times. I, we, we, um, like I said, we went on holiday and we had the opportunity to go into Africa, into a country called Morocco. I don't know if anyone has ever heard of Morocco. Um, into a city called Marrakesh. Quite a historic city, um, and, and we stayed in this place called the Medina, which is an old, um, as it turned out, it was an old, um, like, walled city, which was built to keep a cult in check, which was, quite, you know, interesting. But when we had the opportunity, when we had the opportunity to go to Marrakesh, the immediate thing that happened was not, yeah, let's do that. This is in me. Gina was probably like, yeah, let's go. And me, my fears sort of just like opened the door, ran out and started running laps around my brain. Like, man, Dave, Morocco, that's a Muslim country. You know what they say on TV about Muslims? Man, like that, that could be quite scary. You've got a beard. They might mistake you as a Muslim. Man, they might take you into the mosque. What do they do? The Christians over there. Oh my gosh. And the fear, like fear raging. The language is different. You don't know any Arabic, Dave. Like, can you read it? And I look up Google, look at Arabic. It's like, no chance of reading that. They don't even use letters. Man, I'm stuffed. Um, all sorts of fears like that, right? What if they find the Bible app on my phone when we go through customs? What if... This, this is a true story, actually. This actually happened. What if we're saying grace, and I say, in Jesus' name, and they hear me, and they come running over and arrest me? Didn't get arrested. I'm still here. But what if, and all these fears immediately just surge at just the thought of doing something, right? 
And I have to say that if we let the fears that surge into our mind when something challenging or new comes up, if we let them take over and stop us from doing stuff, then we miss out. Because I have to tell you, even though for a while I was quite nervous about the idea of going into Africa, into a Muslim country, into a place where they don't speak English, where they have different food, different culture, different customs, when we got there, it was incredible, and you found that actually the people were friendly, and that although maybe they have a different religion, they actually still are just trying to live their best life and do what they see as right and care for each other. And that, and that was amazing, right? An amazing discovery for me. The same comes for us, though, when we talk about um, fear getting in the way of us serving God. Because I bet you can relate to this. When I see my workmate at work who's got a sore back, and I know from the Bible that I've got the power through the Holy Spirit to pray for him to get him healed. And, and I think maybe I should pray for my workmate so that he can get healed and he can get to know Jesus. The immediate thing that happens is that, oh my gosh, I'm afraid. Like that's stepping out of my comfort zone. I don't think I can do that. That's just way too far. Like, man, what's going on? But if we let the fears get in the way, then how is God's word ever gonna go out, right? If I never can summon up the courage to actually reach out and say, actually, God loves you, or would you like to come to church, or actually, let me tell you about Jesus, because he's transformed my life, then how's anyone ever going to hear that good news for themselves if I'm not doing it? How is God's kingdom ever going to advance? How is it that I'm ever going to do what God's actually told me to do if I can't step out past a little bit of fear? And it comes down to this. Fear gets in the way, right? And we need to exhibit courage. We need to step out and do stuff. And the thing with courage is this, is that it's actually not the absence of fear. You're never gonna be in a position in your life where you won't be afraid of nothing, right? There'll always be something. I find that at work. Think I've nailed that, then a new challenge comes along and that, that freaks me out, I don't wanna do that. Courage is not having an absence of fear but courage is actually getting on and doing it anyway, regardless of what your fears say, right? And so we went to Morocco, and you cannot, I'm not for a second saying that us going to Morocco was courageous, because that's probably a little bit too far. But when you take the step of ignoring your fears and saying, hey, regardless of that, I'm gonna do it anyway, and especially in the context of Jesus saving us and telling people about him, when we take that step and say, regardless of my fears and my worries, I'm gonna go and do it anyway because Jesus tells me to, then we know that things are gonna work out for the best because you know that Jesus has got our back. And I know, I know sometimes I, I think, I'm gonna go and do that, but I don't know what to say. You know, in the Bible, it says that um, the Holy Spirit will show us what to say at the time. Matthew 10, 19, 20. Don't worry about what you'll say or how you'll say it. The right words will be there. The Spirit of your Father will supply the words. And so we don't have to worry, we don't have to be afraid because we know that when we come to overcome fear, when we step out, put the fear aside, be a little bit courageous that the Holy Spirit will come upon us and show us what to do. Right, the, last, the next one we need to do is we need to overcome shame in our life. Has anyone ever felt the thing of shame? I, I do frequently. Maybe you fear, maybe it's not so much a fear as an issue for you, but maybe it's shame. Maybe you don't want to be that person at work or that Christian that imposes what you believe on someone else because they're not asking for it, right? Maybe there's some things in your life that have happened in the past that you're embarrassed about and you think, man, like, how can I, how can I be someone that talks about Jesus when I did that? 
We have to be able to overcome shame just as much as we have to overcome fear, just as much as we have to overcome our comfort zone in order to be able to share the good news of Jesus. Here's the thing with Jesus, right? Hopefully everyone's reasonably familiar with Jesus, but he came to earth, right? And he wasn't just like your normal dude. He wasn't like, oh, he was quite radical. But we have this thing in our head is that as a Christian, this, in this time of our life, like in order to get along, we either have to be one of two things probably. One is completely normal and unobtrusive and inoffensive and don't disturb anyone, right? Normal. Or we need to be completely radical as a believer going around praying in tongues nonstop and laying hands on every single person we see walking down the street. And we have this picture, I think, of Christianity sometimes where we're either one or the other. But when we come back to Jesus and what he did when he, he was on the planet was that he actually straddled both, right? Because if you take Jesus as an example for how we can live our lives, he was a normal dude. People like to hang out with him. Like kids on the street would want to hang out with Jesus. He also went over to people's houses for dinner. I don't know, we do that every now and then. It's quite normal, but he went over to people's houses for dinner who weren't like people from church. They were just randoms. In fact, you, in the Bible, we refer to them as sinners. You know, people that don't necessarily follow what he's saying, but he's still going to hang out with them anyway. So he had this picture of Jesus as normal. Then over here, you've got this other thing, this part of Jesus that's completely radical, that turned the world on its head that changed things right upside down. And so when we see Jesus as our example, he was normally radical or radically normal. And that for us as a template has got to be something that's maybe a little bit different because I know that in my life at work, I'll try and be normal and try and flow below the radar. But actually Jesus is calling me to be radically normal or normally radical just to bring a bit of him into every part of my life every day in every way, right? And, and I think there's a challenge for that. You know, I don't think um, we need to be embarrassed about, about what we're up to when we talk about Jesus and what he's done inside of us, the radical part. And I, I don't think we need to sit back and be normal, but actually when it comes to shame, we can be confident that because Jesus set a, a, a really awesome sort of model of how to do things, to be caring about people, but still bring the touch of heaven into us every day, that we can do the same thing and we can be radically normal or normally radical, whatever you want to call it. But actually, because of that, because we've got this role model in Jesus, that anything that we can be embarrassed about can fade away because actually know that he set this way of doing things out for us. In fact, I think that the model for us when it comes to overcoming shame in our lives is that, you know, there's that, that quote about not all superheroes wear capes. That can be us, right? We can be a normal person that brings a touch of heaven into our everyday. That our lives can be flavoured with the salt of salvation. Um, when we overcome shame in our life, then God can do all sorts of stuff through us, right? So in a nutshell, there's some things we need to overcome. We need to overcome the comfort in our lives. We need to be able to step out of our comfort space and become a little bit uncomfortable for God. We need to overcome the fear in our lives and be courageous and step up. We need to overcome shame in our lives and step out and actually become radically normal in our everyday and bring a touch of Jesus into every part of our life. I think what it boils down to is this, though, is we know that God wants us to share the story of who He is and what He's up to, right? We know that. Anyone not, not aware of that this morning? Because it's, it's in the Bible, I read it out for you. It's, it's good. 
Um, we know that for us to actually do that, we need to overcome some stuff in our life, right? We need to overcome, like I said, comfort. We need to overcome our fears. We need to overcome shame. But I think sometimes the thing that we need to sort out the most is our passion. And we need to be passionate people, right? The reality is, is that if we stop and think about it, Jesus was quite passionate about us. God's quite passionate about us. You know, and, and if we think about passion, it drives people to do stuff. You know, the world would not be the world it is today if people weren't passionate about it. If, if medical professionals, if doctors and scientists weren't passionate about solving some of the, the biggest illnesses and diseases in the planet, if they weren't passionate about saving people's lives, we might not all be here. It could have been a super virus, who knows? If people weren't passionate about space exploration, we never would have gone to the moon. If, if pastors like Pastor Craig weren't passionate about serving God, there wouldn't be a church like this in Pukekohe. Um, the passionate people change the face of the planet, right? And, and God calls us to be passionate. And we know that he's passionate about us, right? He sent Jesus down to earth for us. He's actively involved in our every day. He sent the Holy Spirit to walk with us and to be in us. He listens to us. God listens to you and your heart and your cry. And he does something about it. He provides for us. He reaches into our every day and he heals us. He fixes us. He provides for us. He gives us everything we need. But we have to be passionate in response, right? And there's a real call. There's a real call for us in our lives and our every day to step up in terms of our passion. And, and, and I guess one of the things that I've come to understand is it's not like flicking a switch on, right? You can't just go, bam, I'm a more passionate version of Dave today because I decided it doesn't work like that, right? Passion is something that grows out of your experience and your knowledge. It doesn't happen in a day, doesn't happen in a week, may not even happen in a year, but it has to be grown inside of you. So, you know, a passionate scientist isn't going to like instantly wake up one day and say, I'm going to solve cancer today. They might decide to, but it could be years before they get there, right? And this is for us in our relationship with God. We can decide right now to be passionate, but we have to commit to doing something a little bit different. That passion in order to go and serve and do what God's commanded us to do, what he's called us to do, what he requires of us to tell other people about him, requires us to experience him and to learn about him. We have to be able to step out of our comfort and get a little bit uncomfortable. We have to step past our fear and face them and be courageous. We have to step past our shame and overcome the stuff that's come in the past in order to be able to step out and experience God, and learn about what He wants to do in us and through us. So I guess there's a question. And I told you, like, this is one that was working on me as well, and like, I know that after this today, I need to go away and start doing some work on me. But there's a question, is what's our response when we know that God asks us to, to step out and to tell people about Him and, and not just be a friend of friends, but to be a friend of sinners like Jesus was? What's our response going to be? Sit back and do nothing? Man, I hope not. Man, you're in the wrong place if you think that's, this is what we want. We want to be able to step up and do something. Maybe you need to work out how to get out of your comfort zone. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, actually, you're right, Dave. Man, I, I didn't even see it, but I got comfortable. I'm not stretched. I'm not challenged. I'm just, you know, enjoying being a friend of friends. Maybe there's some fears in your life that just get in the way every time. And every time God's like knocking on the door saying, come on, get up. I want you to talk to that person. See that person over there? I want you to go talk to them about me today. And you're like, nah, it's scary, man. Like, they've got a tattoo. Ooh, can't, can't talk to them. That's too scary. I don't think they brush your teeth this morning. Oh, nah, I can't handle that. 
Maybe God's calling you to be courageous and step past some bad breath. I don't know. Maybe there's something in your life that's unresolved. Maybe there's something that's happened in your past and you've been like covering it over and you build up layers and layers and layers so that it doesn't ever see the light of day. But that always, every time that God says, come and do this, you're like, but what about that thing? It's that lump that's buried in my past. Maybe you need to do something about that. Or maybe... Just maybe you're like me and you need to do something about your passion. You need to experience God. You need to actually step into His presence a little bit more often. Maybe you need to get a little bit more deeper into His Word and learn more about Him and experience Him and grow in your passion, your relationship with Him. Maybe you're like me and we need to get closer to God this morning. So what I want to do this morning, I don't, I don't want to drag you down the front, but I'm firmly convinced that actually the call of God for us to go and be friends to the people outside of this room, the friends of sinners, that, that's for here and now, right? And we need to do something about it. And, and so what I'm gonna do is if you're in agreement with that, I'm not gonna get you to come down the front or stand up. I'm just gonna get everyone to close your eyes for a moment. I'm gonna pray for us, not for you, but for us, because this is for me, remember. I'm just gonna close your eyes and I'm gonna ask you if that's you, whether it's comfort, whether it's um, fear, whether it's shame, whether you just feel like there's passion lacking in your life and you wanna do something about it this morning, I'm just going to get you to chuck your hand up right now, wherever you are, and we're going to pray together. And I see this all, it's awesome. There's heaps of people with their hands up. This is so good. See anyone else? I'm not going to make an overly complicated thing because it's actually not between you and me. It's actually you and God, right? Cool, you can chuck your hands down. I'm going to pray. And if, if you didn't put your hand up this morning, I really encourage you to start to pray for the people around you that did, that they'd be able to overcome their comfort zone, they'd be able to step out of fear, they'd be able to step out of shame, they'd be able to get more passionate because we know that there's a people out there that need Jesus, right? God, I thank you so much for what it says in your word about how you want us to go out, not just to sit back and, and, and be comfortable with what we are, but God, you've called us to more, God, that you've, you've told us to get out and talk to people about you, God. And I thank you that in this room, there are a bunch of people that love you this morning and there's a bunch of people that wanna do something to overcome their comfort, God, to overcome their fear, to overcome their shame, God, to become more passionate in their everyday. That's me as well, God. And God, I pray right now that, that you'd come in through your power, through your spirit, and you'd do something inside of us that would unlock, that would release, that would change things up, God, to turn the dial on, on, on what we've been up to, God, to release us to go out and, and, and to do the things that you call us to, in Jesus' name. God, it's from you, it's not from us. And so, God, we say, pray, have your way. Come in and do something in us. In Jesus' name, amen.